With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off, I'm your host as ever Guy Drinkle and in today's show we're going to be discussing Liverpool's 4-1 victory over Cardiff City and as always I have a Liverpool fan with me, how are you doing Mark? I'm very good Guy, yourself? I'm good, thank, I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm very good. I, we do have the Man City game on in the background, and they have just scored. So if you hear any ooms and ahs, that's probably what that is. <laughs> um, but joining us, I've promised to call him Steve from the preview pod because, as you know, listeners, I am horrendous <laughs> with names. Never mind Welsh names. How are you doing, Steve? <laughs> very well, guy. Hi, Mark. How are you all hey, doing? Hey, Steve. Oh, I'm good, thank you. Uh, football aside, I hope you're all right as well. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, let's yeah, let's get the, let's be uh, yeah, let's get this over with. No, sorry, I don't. <laughs> uh, so I'll start with you then, Steve. And um, as we do always on the show, we we tend to go through the starting elevens. Obviously, you're missing a few players through injuries and suspensions. Was there any surprises in there? Not really. No, I mean uh, the fact that. Uh, Hoylet came back into the side really, which was slightly surprised. I've not been impressed with Hoylet all season for some reason. He's he's just not performed at at, at, at Premier League level. Uh, maybe it's a hangover from his previous ventures in, at that level. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought you know Hoylet was ineffectual during the game. So, but with Gunnarsson, Gunnarsson's coming back from a long term injury. Uh, so and he played pretty well against Fulham, so no surprise there. And with Hoylet coming in, and um, Arthur was a doubt, so they brought Camarasa into the centre of the park. We can talk about that in a bit more detail. But I think there was a bit more to Arthur's exclusion and meets the eye because he's on four yellows at the moment, and if he got a yellow against Liverpool, which could have well happened, mm. it possibly would have meant that. Uh, he would have missed our game against Leicester, which I think is quite a vital game for us. So I think there could have been some sort of um, jiggery pokery by 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 Warnock to basically say to uh, to Artem, well maybe maybe have a rest this game. But apart from that, no surprises at all. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it, it's quite standard on this podcast. But may, maybe a, a couple more surprises from the Liverpool starting eleven then, Mark. Yeah, it was desperate search around before kickoff, as all us fantasy football players do to try and find find the team. And the rumours seem to be that it'd be unchanged from Wednesday night, which wouldn't have been a massive surprise. It was one of our better performances of the season. It was I was there on Wednesday. I wasn't there on Saturday. And I said to the lad next to me, I think when we were two three nil up, I think the change he needs to make here is to give Robertson a rest. Because he hasn't really, other, other than the Carabao Cup game, he's played every minute of every game. So, in hindsight, you don't suppose that's a big surprise. I know you're a big Albi Moreno fan guy. Oh, yes. But, but yeah, you, you would hope in really he would stick with the same. But then there's got to be rotation. The amount of games we're playing, the amount of games we've got coming up. And no disrespect to Cardiff, but a home game to Cardiff would be the time to do it rather than an away game to Arsenal, away to Red Star, away to Paris Saint-Germain. I think four of our next five are away games. Away games are obviously notoriously more difficult. So this was probably the game to make the changes. But I think it's starting to show that the drop-off is still there, much as the squad has improved and there's more there. The drop-off is still noticeable when the first 11 or 12 aren't playing. And the squad players come in. 
Yeah, we'll go into that in a bit more detail. I mean, there's, there's yeah. a chance that uh, covers it quite well towards the end of the first half. But um, the first half, or the start of the game, obviously starts with Liverpool taking a very early goal. Um, I'll, I'll stick with you there, Mark. It's, it's a bit of a scramble. I think Ginny and Mane take shots which get blocked or saved, and then it ends up just falling to Salah. I mean, it's just a perfect start from our perspective. Definitely, that's what you want in a game like that. You, you sort of know Cardiff's game plan is going to be to try and keep it tight for as long as possible, try and nick something with a set piece or on the counter. So to get an early goal, you can't ask for better, really. I think it was six players of ours in the box, which is a good number and maybe a bit fortuitous that it did fall to Salah at the right time. But then you give him the credit that he's in the right place at the right time and he wasn't going to miss from there. But yeah, fortuitous is the way it dropped to him, but then he still took it well and yeah, a perfect opening really. Well, it should it should have been. It didn't really surmount to much more than that after the, the first half really. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the, first, the rest of the first half. Or maybe yes, the, lack we'll of the, ex, the lack of the extra first half because not much else happened after that. Um, but Steve, probably more from your point of view, obviously we get a goal, a, a few shots in there, but did, did you just kind of summarise what, what was not the game plan, but probably what the game had turned into for Cardiff. A lot of goal mouth scramble, a lot of last-ditch defending. Yeah, I think that was always going to be the case at Liverpool. No matter what team you put out, I think we were always going to struggle. Um, I think the name of the game was, as, as uh, well, quite rightly put out for us, was to try and keep it tight for as long as possible. And, you know, we were hoping maybe let's get, you know, let's get half hour in and see where we are. But, you know, after you know, slightly fortuitous, I'll give you that. But, you know, you make your luck at that level. And if you're creating chances, one of them, are going to fall to one of your players in a box, and and it just had to be Salah. Unfortunately, the end of it to, uh, to he took it well. To be fair, um, but you know I thought we defended the actual chance of leading up to the goal fairly well. It just obviously Morrison's block just uh, you know the ball just rolled into Salah's path and he duly obliged. So uh, so yeah. Um, as for the, I mean if we go. Beyond the goal, I mean, was a very, very subdued first half in general, and yeah. I thought we were, I thought we were very poor first half. The opportunities we had to attack and and carry the ball forward, I think we panicked a lot when we had the ball at feet. We were expecting possibly more press from the Liverpool team, which probably led us into making our you know unforced errors. Quite rightly that you know in the first half. When we did sort of have the ball in advanced areas, yeah, we just couldn't string the last pass together to threaten, you know, not just on the pitch. I just felt the whole atmosphere, particularly, you know, from the Liverpool end, was, I don't know if that's a European hangover or, or whatever, but that's the sort of impression I got. Yeah, I think we see a lot of that on, on Twitter as Liverpool fan. I'm, I'm not the biggest match goal one. Obviously, Mark, you said you were there on, on Wednesday, but do, do, Mark, do you think there is a... Not an issue, but do you think it's obviously just natural that fans don't get up for a league game in the late stages of October compared to a European Cup game at home where you're there to push people over the line, whereas, again, no disrespect, games like against Huddersfield, your Cardiffs, your Newcastles at home, they shouldn't need that extra lift from the crowd, which is maybe a bit disappointing to, to hear, but um, do you think it's just natural that games like these, the crowd aren't the same compared to European games? It tends to be the way, doesn't it? The, the midweek European game under floodlights has always seemed to have a better atmosphere. Whereas you say, a three o'clock Saturday game against Cardiff isn't going to generate the same. Mate, I think the City game had a bit of a better atmosphere. That's a tighter rival and, a, a, a as you say, maybe the, the team need the crowd to push them more in a game like that. But yeah, the atmosphere at Anfield for league games against the bottom of teams has never been great really has it unless you sort of go back to 13 14 and we were gunning for the title and then they're welcoming the coach and and trying to g the team on but yeah this time of year three o'clock saturday it's not going to be a renowned atmosphere unfortunately i think it should be but that's for another podcast another that's a whole podcast in itself really isn't it so steve i'll come we come back into the game then in, in instead of the crowd uh one of the stats that was going around um 
in the first half is that Cardiff only had 40 odd percent passing accuracy and is that is that an issue that you've kind of had since you came up in the Premier League is is control in possession I know it's against Liverpool and that but is it is it something that Cardiff have struggled with since they've came into the Premier League yeah yeah I, I mean particularly away from home uh, apart from at Huddersfield we never really kept hold of the ball at, at any of our away games this season and as I sort of alluded to earlier um, we we really shot ourselves in the first in the foot especially first half with when we did have the ball um, we were able the string two or three passes together that would be about it and 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 just give the ball back to Liverpool and you know against teams that you know in the upper in the top six you can ill afford to just give away so easily and that's something I do think that kind of need to work on um more and more and uh, you know admittedly you know as I said in the previous show these sort of games aren't the ones that are going to define our season but you know if you are going to see improvement long term in Cardiff, um, these are the sort of games where we need to improve things like possession, passing accuracy, um, and creating chances. And 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 yeah, uh, you know, um, we seem to be well off the mark against uh, yourselves and and Chelsea, where we've actually been away this season and and struggled after being competitive in some way, shape or form uh, during part of the game. But, you know, overall, um, you know, we're second back. It's clear clear to see. Um, in, in the preview, you obviously picked out, was it the Spurs game where you said it was a bit better? Um, was that, yeah. Does that mean you'll probably be a, a completely different side home and away then? I think we'll have to be. I think we'll have to use every advantage in terms of the crowd, um, and and you know the, the players do sort of react to it that, that at home as well, so you know I do see that being our best opportunity really of uh, building a platform to try and get 17th. You know the name of the game here for us is 17th. Anything above that I think would be ludicrous for any kind of fan to to actually try and hope for. So you know eight eight you know above the above the drop zone is 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 what we need to achieve. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you know, um, it's going to be it's going to be home victories, you know, outside the top six, which is going to set the platform for that. And with fingers crossed, the odd away win or two, or the odd shock result against some of the bigger teams at home, you know, even if they're draws or whatever. So, just to nick points off some of the teams that are in the top six would be would be a bonus for us. I'm just thinking about teams like Brighton already have said they're stalled out. They've beaten United at home. They're probably already one of those teams where you'd say um, they're probably unlikely to be in the in the sort of danger zone come the end of the season because of results like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a tough league, especially with how much teams lower, lower down the league spend nowadays but um, if we come back to the mm-hmm. game I'll, I'll stick with you Steve for, for this point um, a bit of a slow start obviously you mentioned um, a very poor first half from a Cardiff perspective um, it, it is is quick starts a problem from you or is it just the fact that your game plan was always defence first well yeah I, I think in this particular game it was always about sticking sticking it out for as long as possible uh, we managed 30 minutes at home against City and they put five past us we didn't manage any anywhere near that as long against you boys and uh, paid the consequences as well uh i mentioned in the previous show we started really against fulham and then sure scores a woldy and then you know but we sort of dust ourselves off go again and uh we sort of maintain that momentum and play really well for the rest of the first half in that game so i wouldn't say that's a trait of ours but i just think you've got to you've got to respect and understand the the level of opposition we're playing against in some of these games, and you've just got to accept the fact that, barring a miracle, or a really substandard performance from the team you're up against, you're not going to get much change out of these teams. Um, you know, completely different onus uh, in terms of spending power, in terms of the ability of the individual players on the pitch. Uh, you know, we are we know we're up against it most weeks. 
And on the back of that as well, which is probably why you don't you haven't heard much dissension within Cardiff fans' ranks in terms of our performances this season because yeah. we know we're going to be up against it. So um, you know, it, it's it's just. It's just, uh, you know, it, we we fully appreciate we're in a completely different league. I know it's literally and actively and as well. And, and you know, we just got to try and uh, aim for that 17th spot come the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree just from an outsider's perspective. But, um, Mark, uh, still the earliest part, parts of the first half, we see um, Van Dijk nearly score, or I think he hits the post, actually, with a, with a header. And um, But after that, there isn't much else in the first half. Maybe in the last couple of minutes, we obviously have a, a chance cleared off the line. But what what do you think was our problem in the first half after that header? I don't know, to be honest. It's, is it almost, as Steve said, that Cardiff know Anfield isn't a place where their season's going to be defined? It's almost a given that they're going to get nothing there. So did we have that mentality as well? And it's 1-0 and that's it, almost game done. And we we don't really need to do any more than that. They're not going to threaten. They're not going to even try and threaten. They're not going to break our rear guard. And is that another way of conserving energy as well as the rotation, really, that we've got a busy period coming up and that's it, game, game one almost. So in a way like that, did the early goal harm us? And if we hadn't scored that early goal, would we have seen a more attacking, more threatening Liverpool team? I don't know. It could have been that. It could just be it was one of those days and Cardiff are a dogged team and they brought us down to their level and it just we weren't firing. But it's strange, isn't it? If you look at the stats and 80-odd percent possession, 17 shots on goal and nine on target, and yet we're, we're not really happy with the performance, which is quite telling, really, isn't it? That's in most games, if you had that level of possession and shots, you'd be pleased. But it was just a strange game, wasn't it? There wasn't, until the last 20 minutes, there wasn't much happening at all really yeah I think the first half was definitely disappointing from our perspective even though we were winning but um, it was a very it was very strange first I mean I think Salah was still on his game but Mane seemed a bit off it until he did score his goals but um, focusing on Bobby obviously he scored in in midweek do you think he's Still a bit in, in a bit of a patchy spell of form because we have seen it in the past where Bobby does go off the boil in terms of his on ball stuff. He's always good off ball. Um, but do you think he was just a bit off it and there wasn't really that link between midfield and attack? Yeah, and again, his position sort of changed, doesn't it, with a with a change in formation slightly to more of a four-two-three-one than the four-three-three. And he is, or he certainly was last year, wasn't he? He was integral to our attacking and defensive play obviously Mo got all the plaudits for all the goals he scored but Firmino was so important to the way we played and the link I played with him and Mane it just wasn't really there and it hasn't really been all season obviously did the the no look through the legs nutmeg on the line that's been all over social media but that was basically his highlights from the game was that one one moment there wasn't much I wasn't surprised to see him get taken off. I know we'll come mm. on to the substitutions later. It wasn't a surprise to see him come off. And yeah, he hasn't really kicked on yet this season. Obviously, Mane and Mo have got more amongst the goals the last couple of games. And certainly the last two games, Mo's played a lot than he had been. But no, he's he's a bit off form at the moment. And it's it seems to be showing he is very important. was very important to us last year. And hopefully he gets back to somewhere near that level again soon because the games coming up are, are a lot tougher on paper. Yeah, they definitely are. And fortunately, we do have Sturridge in very good form as well. So hopefully uh, hopefully it's not a fitness issue with Bobby, but maybe you can get a, a couple rested games or whatever. But um, Steve, coming back to you, obviously we mentioned uh, with the starting 11s that Harry Arter was missing uh, for possibly uh, not disciplinary reasons, but carded reasons. Um, it seems like you got a new look midfield in this game especially because you're missing a few uh, Joe Rawls is still suspended isn't he um, he is yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I th- you obviously bigged up um, Camarasa on the preview as well 
do you think that this was uh, these were an issue for you? Because obviously they're not the first choice partnership, or maybe they were are. Because obviously Gunnarsson was missing for injury for most of the season. But yeah, um, do you think this is a, a potential long term partnership, or do you think you'll see your roles and your Arta come back in? I I can see Arta coming back in at some point, um, but I'm not sure if roles is. Uh, is really up to Gunnison's sort of work levels and we have missed is that even though, um, you know, we are supposed to be a bit of a physical team, we don't seem to have that bite in the midfield area and Gunnison brings it back for us, to be honest. Um, so I, I am, a, I wasn't too sure if Gunnison would be up to the job, but, uh, even though he's not 100% match fit in the two games that he has played for us since his return, I've been more than impressed with uh, his performances and his willingness to run with the ball as well. Um, yeah, I just think Rawls, even though he's a tidy player, is a bit of a liability when, especially away from home, mm. in terms of, uh, you know, being able to compete, you know, in a, in the midfield area, particularly when we don't have the ball. So, but Camarasa, I think, is by far our best player, ball player. Um, I didn't think he was out of, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't look out of sorts at all on Saturday. I just think, again, it's one of those games where, you know, you've got the likes of, uh, you're up against the likes of Fabinho, who's making, was he making his first team debut? I don't know if he was uh, his, his first debut. Start, yeah. yeah, start, yeah. Uh, he looks a quality player, uh, you know. Um, so, um, in that respect, you've just got to sometimes, you know, doff your cap and say, well, you're up against a much better midfield. you just got to, you know, just grin and bear it and get over, you know, get through the 90 minutes and then just, Dust yourself down again onto the next game, and and that's what I see with that. Um, yeah, we are a bit threadbare as well, obviously with Rawls and and Arta. Even though officially he was injured, I think as I said earlier, I think it was the yellow card situation which prevented uh, Arta being you know being chosen or even on a bench for this game. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, just, uh, the couple of times I've watched Cardiff um, this season on TV, Camarasa has looked like the uh, the standout player for you, so. I, yeah, I mean, he definitely I, seemed the best um, out there for you on Saturday. Yeah, he was. A, he's a tiny. Can't believe we got him. I can't believe he can't get in the Real Betis team. So I, I mean, it was literally a deadline day sort of loan signing. So um, I'm sure there, there there'll be other teams interested in him on the back of his performances so far this season. Uh, scored a decent goal against. You know, uh, played really well against Fulham last week, was definitely my man of the match, uh, you know, last weekend. So, uh, his sort of performance levels, uh, so far this season haven't waned. So, uh, and, uh, you know, all sort of, uh, kind of fans I speak to, to a man of say, uh, how impressed they are with him. So, uh, long may it continue really, because we'll need, you know, good performances from the like of Victor Camarasa to, to, uh, to, to keep the fight really, to keep us, uh, you know, pushing for that 17th place again. I know I harp on about, mm. but that is the goal. Yeah. Um, speaking of long may it continue then, Mark, obviously we've seen this new double pivot midfield of, of Ginny Wijnaldum and, and Fabinho. Um, you obviously witnessed them firsthand in the middle of the week where Fabinho was just a, a different level of monster. But what, what did you make of them both in this game? But again, very. I've been very impressed with Fabinho. I think he's, since he's come in, it's he's done very well. He's done all the tasks of him. It's there'll be tougher challenges to come. No disrespect to Cardiff or Red Star Belgrade, but there'll be tougher midfields he's got to come up against. But the old saying, you can only beat what's in front of you, and he's done all the tasks of him, and probably a bit more. I think it's reminiscent of what we went through with Robertson and even Ox last year that. Klopp took his time with them and integrated them when he felt they were ready and evidence on the last two games he's been proved right to do that. He looked he looks very good in possession, he's gets attack in and that he's forward thinking with his passing. I think he, he played the pass to Salah that created the goal, so it's he's doing all the things that are asked of him and long may I continue. I think he's warranted the start against Arsenal. 
that will be more of a challenge away at Arsenal than home against Red Star or Cardiff. But he's certainly in the team on merit at the moment, and long may that continue. I'd say Bernaldum's for me probably been our best player this season. He's just so comfortable on the ball. He does whatever's asked of him. He plays all across the midfield and looks comfortable in all the roles. He's he's strong on possession. You just can't get the ball off him. He's a good passer. He's creative. I think it's we've stumbled across something that's working and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So the shirts are theirs at the moment and they should keep them. Um, you obviously mentioned the Arsenal game there. Would you would you keep them as a two, or would you be looking at adding a Milner or or whatever for the Arsenal game? Personally, I I would go with a two and have Shakiri. I think mm. Shakiri's warranted to start again, and I think as as good as Arsenal are going forward, I think they're to be got at defensively, and and again depending on who he. He plays and where he plays him. He's played Jacker left back the last two weeks. I hope he does that <laughs> against us. I think Mo will have a field there if he does. But even yeah, if he plays him in midfield, I just don't rate Zaka at all. I don't think he's a good midfielder, and I think we would have enough with Fabinho and Ronaldo can drop out. Ronaldo's good as a six, so to play them as the double six, and then hopefully Gomez and Van Dijk. As the centre backs, we would have enough to keep them out, and then you you sort of need that Shakiri's creativity, I think, to to create for him. We ha- we have looked a better side with him in recently, and again, I think having three workhorse midfielders, as we've had with Henderson, Milner, and Wijnaldum, hasn't worked as well. We didn't. It wasn't just the results; it was the performance that wasn't quite as good either. So, mm. yeah, I, I I would personally go with. With Wijnaldum, Fabinho, and Shakiri against Arsenal. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Yeah, I love, I love the Fabinho and, and Shakiri. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, give Shakiri some love later on when he, uh, when we get to yes. the second half. Um, there, there was a penalty shout. I mean, there wasn't much made of it on commentary. Um, Steve, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. I think it's Morrison who's holding back. Um, Mo Salah. Do you think it was just one of them in the game, or do you think it was a penalty? Uh, do you want me to be completely objective about it, or from a oh, card no, point of view? No, you're, you're here for I, I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think it was a pen. It was definitely not a penalty from where I was standing in a in a t- response. Um, but seriously, I know uh, it was ref. The ref couldn't give it. I, I don't think I don't think there was enough there to give it. Um, so the short answer is no. It wasn't a penalty. <laughs> And Mark, the Liverpool the, fan. The, the long answer is, yes, it was a penalty. If that's anywhere else on the pitch, that's a free kick. And this, this is a massive bugbearer of mine. This, Or if it was outside the box, he's giving that as a free It do, It shouldn't matter. The same with if you go in two-footed in the first minute or the 30th minute. If it's a red card offence, it's a red card offence. If it's a foul, it's a foul. It doesn't matter where it is. And I'm getting sick and tired. We haven't had a penalty in the league at Anfield for a year now. <laughs> and that's for, for the amount of attacking football we play, the amount of players we have in the box. It's just ridiculous. It's like there's a vendetta against us. It wasn't a cast iron stonewall penalty. He didn't fuggishly take him down, but it was a foul. And if that's on the centre circle, that's a free kick. And nobody's complaining nobody's batting an eyelid at it so uh, what i would say in defense of morrison is that uh salah did sort of fall over very easily in another challenge just on the edge of the penalty area uh quite a sense at the game and the ref just waved play on so maybe he was influenced by that as well i would also say just as an adage i think possibly the first contact was slightly outside the box borderline where the first contact was made anyway but to not give it as a foul I thought was the wrong decision well Mark you seem to be a bit upset with the referee I think <laughs> I think it's fair to say Stuart Atwell didn't have the best game I mean that penalty it, it depends who you support really it's not it's not set in stone uh, Salah did go down a bit soft if we're honest but uh, yeah as you said our our penalty record at Anfield's pretty abysmal, but we have got a fair bit of luck this season so far, but the penalty record is abysmal. But I think Stuart Atwell's 
fairly getting a lot of flack o- over the weekend because he was pretty awful for me. He was. I mean, we had two. We had a, a bit of a discussion in our WhatsApp group about the ones on Wednesday night. Again, from where I was sat, the first one on Mane was a, a Stonewall penalty. He elbowed him near enough in the face. And again, if that's anywhere else on the pitch, it's a free kick. But you just think if, if we had that referee, we're getting that penalty. And mm. again, they, they seem to be a level. Well, that's, that's a good referee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, as you say, maybe I'm more bitter because we haven't had one at home in the league for so long. And there's been a lot more Stonewall cast iron ones we should have had than that one. That wasn't one to get your rage. And I think that's just for a really crap analogy. Like if you do four or five fouls, the fifth one gets you the yellow card. So we've had four or five where we haven't got where we should have got one that then this one we should have got, but it doesn't work like that, does it, unfortunately? Yeah, I thought you were going to go down the Fernandinho route from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, that, that was horrendous, how we didn't. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, we'll move on. Um, obviously, we come t- towards the end of the half. We see Lalana's header cleared off the line. Um, good defended by Morrison. Um, I think it was Morrison, uh, Steve. Definitely. Um, you know, he placed himself. He knew where the ball was coming back from Lalana. Uh, placed himself and thank God the referee blew up straight after the clearance really <laughs> um, to, so 1-0 half time um, seeing how ineffectual we were I wasn't going to be too disappointed with that as a scoreline at half time yeah obviously Sean Morrison was quite involved throughout I, mean, I think obviously Sol Bamba's coming not for a lot of criticism for for what he's done but obviously Neil Warnock compared to Van Dyke, so I think people kind of see Sol Bamba as a bit comical on the, yeah. on the side. Um, but we don't we don't really believe what Neil said about Van, uh, you know, about Bamba compared to Van Dyke. Mm. And having seen Virgil in the flesh on Saturday for the first time, I thought, a what a specimen of a being <laughs> he is in terms of a defender. But B, you know, if you wanted to build a central defender from scratch, you can't go far wrong by looking at someone like Virgil van Dijk. Athletic, you know, good with the ball, excellent in the air, just a fortress, really. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, and Callum Patterson, who's been getting success eerily against pretty much any other team he's played against this season, you know, um, I thought, you know, van Dijk did an excellent job eerily, but also did lot, Lovren, I thought, did a really good job at, at, at sort of negating any threat. Mm. That we that we posed in terms of you know that aerial part of the game. So uh, yeah, I mean uh, I was I was very impressed with Van Dijk on Saturday, even though he didn't have to do that much. Yeah, yeah, I think that. I think we've had that a lot on this podcast. People do tend to pick out Van Dijk. Um, but on your centre backs, then is that is that a good base for you in the Premier League? Because obviously you were promoted on the back of your. Defensive stability. I know I'm not going to. Yeah. I'd watched a lot of Cardiff in the Championship, but it seemed a bit. The defensive yeah, we, stability. Yeah, no, absolutely. But um, yeah, and uh, but this is again, this is a whole different level of of ball playing and attack and pace. And when we come on to look at you know the third and fourth goals in particular, you know they they um they're goals that we wouldn't necessarily have need you know have confronted in terms of the the abilities of the the opposition. Uh, I mean, obviously, the first and second goals uh, in this game, I thought, were incredibly scrappy from our perspective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Bamba and Morris. I think Morrison is probably a more reliable defender than Bamba. Mm. But seems to think he's uh, he's a ball playing virtual. He's not. Um, uh, he does get himself into difficult situations and. Uh, Sometimes I wish he would just uh, put his laces through the ball sometimes and rather try and carry it out, to, you, know, you know, and uh, create a potential problems for us. Um, and he was at fault for a number of goals earlier in the season. I think his sort of, uh, I suppose, his reaction or lack of reaction, particularly a couple of, um, I'm thinking, uh, earlier in the season, I think both you could say were Bamba sort of Bamba wasn't positioned right or just was half a second slower in terms of reaction. Um, so, yeah, um, 
I think Morrison between you know out of the two of them is is probably the, the better more reliable centre back. Um, if I had the choice, I would play Manga, who played right back on on Saturday for us. I would play him alongside uh, Morrison. I think they are a better two together oh, right. in terms of a centre back partnership. In fact, you know we bought Manga in from Ligue 1 a few years back. In fact, actually, we bought him in, uh, I think, during the January window in uh, the last time we were in a pro. Decent reputation uh, as a centre-back. And uh, I think Natra, and he, I think he's a more gifted player than Bamba. But you know, Warnock likes him, so, you know, uh, we just have to sort of accept that Warnock, you know, first-choice centre-back pairing is, is Bamba and, and Morrison. No, that's interesting. I thought Bamba was one of your first names on the team sheet. Maybe the diff- difference between Warnock and the fans there. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, Bamba is one of the first names on the team sheet from, mm. uh, 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 you know, a Warnock perspective. But I think some Cardiff fans will say, and I, I'm one of them, believe that Manga and Morrison are probably the better centre-back mm-hmm. partnership. Um, uh last season in like a defensive midfield role for us um, just so he could fit all three of them in, in the sort of central area Yeah. Uh, but uh, he was a bit of a liability there as well so you know <laughs> it's it, it's it's what you like I, I like my defenders to be no nonsense in that respect uh, whereas I think Bamba can be slightly uh, hazardous you know as I said particularly as he does like uh, he does be a, a ball carrying midfield player at times, which does worry the uh, the life out of the majority of Cardiff fans. But, uh, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, at least we've got a good centre back in the offing. If you know, if one of Bamba, sorry, one of Bamba or Morrison does fall, you know, prone to injury or, or you know, you know, banned or or, or suspended for some yeah. reason. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, Mark, if we go back to the chance, obviously um, it's Moreno crossing the ball to Lalana, who's heading it. They're the two rotated in players, shall we say. Um, h- how do you think they both did? And do you think either of them uh, showed that they could be trusted a bit more for more minutes? Because, obviously, Lalana's just coming back and Moreno's only played that sub-appearance in midweek and the Carabao Cup game. As I said earlier, I think the drop-off in quality is certainly noticeable. I think you can potentially get away with it more with Moreno to Robertson, depending on the game, really, I suppose, and the quality of the attack from a forward point of view. I don't think the drop-off is as noticeable, perhaps. Mm. But Lalana, he's just... Me and you are, are known not big Lalana fans, but he just doesn't look... He doesn't look up to pace with the rest of the team. He's just the impact Shakiri had when he came on was was so noticeable. That the lifting quality from Lalana to Shakiri is huge, and whether that he's still rusty because he's come back from a long term injury and he he hasn't getting regular minutes. He's sort of getting interrupted minutes here and there, but. We just look such such a weaker team with him in the team at the moment, which I'm not a big Lalana fan, but it is a shame. You obviously you support the eleven that the managers chose to put on the field. You want him all to do well, but at the moment he's just not worthy of his place in the team. I don't think. But where he's going to get the chance to get those minutes now? Now we're out the Carabao Cup. It's it's hard. It's hard to see, but. Surely Klopp will see as well. That's two games now he's he's played, and in my mind, he's been the weakest player on the pitch in both. And I'd, I'd almost say as weak as any Cardiff player as well. To be fair, he just didn't have an impact. He was unlucky with the header. I don't think he could have done done much more than he did do. But his impact on the game, other than that, was very very poor, very weak. He just He's just not very good at the moment, is he? Unfortunately, there's not not much more I can say about him. Mm. I thought, and, for me, I thought he got he was better than he was against Huddersfield, but I mean that that wasn't hard. No, <laughs> uh, not but at all. How, how much more improvement do you think he has? Because I don't think we'll ever see that sixteen seventeen version of him again because he won't get the minutes, and I think that player doesn't exist anymore. And 
we've only ever seen that in four months in like four years. But how much more improvement do you think he'll get? Because we've not seen even a half decent Lalana for what two years now. No, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because again, at the moment. Cater and Henderson were out on the weekend and you think when they come back in is he even going to get on the bench then? Because logic would sort of dictate your seven substitutes would be a goalkeeper, two defenders, two sort of midfielders and two sort of attackers. And if you're thinking that at the moment it's Favino, Ginny and Shakiri as you're free, you're looking then that it's Milner, Henderson, Sturridge and Cater would be the four on the bench, so you, you can't even see where he's going to get a chance from. To obviously, it's a long season. There's a lot of games. Rotation will happen, but at the moment, he's he's way down the pecking order, isn't he? At the moment, and if he could get back to anywhere near that form, it would obviously only benefit us. And the more players clock can trust, the more resting and rotating we can do, and that will only benefit us coming into the back end of the season. The more we've got fit and fresh, but. At the moment, I don't think anybody would want to see him near the team to play Arsenal or to play PSG away that we've got coming up in the Champions League. He just wouldn't be trusted. Yeah, I, I don't want to be able to echo what you've been saying, really. As you, as you said at the start, uh, we're not his biggest fans, but um, hopefully he does get better to be a useful part of the squad. But these last couple of games haven't been too inspiring. But we'll, we'll move on from that and we'll move on from the first half as well. Um a bit of a sloppy start by Liverpool. We see um, Cardiff get two free kicks. I think Lovren does a really stupid foul, as does Moreno. Um, Steve, was that always going to be your main avenue in this game? I know you said that Van Dijk was a colossus and stuff like that, but was set pieces and corners, etc., going to be going to be your main way of attack? Yeah, well, I think so, and and, and it's a, a well-trodden path for Cardiff and and. Uh, you know, it worked well at Chelsea, and uh, if it weren't for a linesman's flag, it would have worked well <laughs> for our first goal uh, <laughs> on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, you know, set pieces are up against it, and when you're against a cosh, is 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 really where we're, we're looking to to get some success, especially away from home against the the, the bigger sides in the Premier League. So, uh, so yes, that's that's where you know it's it's likely to be you know our main source of of chances really. Yeah, Mark. Obviously, we we come out the second half. You maybe expect a bit of improvement from the first half, as we said. But no, we we kind of get the opposite. We kind of give Cardiff a, probably a bit more confidence. Obviously, see a bit of frailty at the back with some stupid decisions, and they obviously get a goal that was offside and was given offside, uh, so we can't can't go on about the refs there, but um, was, was there any worrying signs for you at half-time? Were you thinking maybe old Liverpool was come back, where we just had very sloppy and dropped points? I think so, and to, without jumping too far ahead, I think the more worry sort of came when they did score, and it was 2-1, and the thing that went through my mind was, if you remember the Sunderland game a few years ago when we were 2-0 up and then oh God. The, fa- the, the fans left at 78 minutes with a protest about ticket prices and they got it back to 2 all. And that's when they scored, we still, we just still weren't playing very well. And I thought, yeah, 2-1 here, they'll be up for this now. They'll go for us the next five minutes. Lovren and Marine will collapse and they'll get it to 2-all and that's, you know, as Liverpool fans, everything's either red hot or ice cold and it's the whole season's wrote off and we've blown it and it's disaster's going to strike. But thankfully, them scoring seemed to be the thing that kicked us into into gear and we finished very strongly. But at that point, as you say, it was, is this going to be same old Liverpool of years gone by and throw away a, a great opportunity from our own undoing, really? Yeah, that worry's always in the back of my head. Uh, <laughs> I know we're a different team now, but you can never get rid of it. Maybe. No, I don't think it's <laughs> always there, a, isn't it? Yeah, it'll take a couple of years to fix that. Um, but we see um, Shakiri come on for the line, I think it was about 60-odd minutes, and um, we've obviously been talking about him throughout the podcast and the impact he's had in the season, but in, in this game specifically, what did he what did he do that was just better than what Lallana was doing? He just looks so confident, doesn't he? And he he seems to be on the same wavelength, and things happen quickly with him. It's 
he just seems to do the right thing at the right time. Whereas Lallana, I think, still too, one or too many two touches or a turn that he doesn't need to do. And Shakiri just seems to be on the wavelength for the front three and just in the right place at the right time and, and picking the right option, which has been a sort of failing of ours throughout the whole season, really. We've, we've said on, I've said with you on a, on a few of these pods that a better final ball, a better finish, a better movement here or there, and we've scored 10 more goals than we've scored this season. It, it, he seems to be making things happen that Lallana or whoever else has sort of played in that third attacking midfield role does which is quite strange really because that was his first goal he scored for us so you're not quite sure where this confidence has come from other than he's just been playing well and and having an impact I suppose the Sunderland game you could say he got two assists he was he was very unlucky with a free kick but again for other players I think was it Downing that hit the crossbar early in his career and never really kicked on Mm. but that's not going through your mind that is he being unlucky like that and he's, his level's going to drop off and he's going to think he's cursed. But the opposite seems to have happened. It's, I think in, in playing with better players, he had a stoke, he's, his quality's rising. And as you say, on, on form now, he, he'd definitely be a starter for me against Arsenal and many other games. He, he seems to be a creative spark in midfield that he's not, he's nowhere near Coutinho's level, don't get me wrong, but something in that sort of ballpark from a bit deeper can still make things happen. And now hopefully he's got his first goal. He'll he'll go up another level again and, and score and create a few more. Not bad for 13 million, eh? Not bad <laughs> at all, no. Yeah. Um, so, so we come with the second goal and this one's obviously Mane. I think this, again, this is a bit of a scramble. Uh, as we said earlier, I think Mane actually not Megs Albi Moreno in the build-up to the game. But Steve, from a, from a Cardiff point of view, again, another sloppy point, a goal from your point of view? It, it, it's a goal that we shouldn't have conceded. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Sadio Mane, when he, when he got in a position, you know, took it well. But, we should never allowed him in that position, particularly where, with, honestly, it was just really poor, soft defending in and around the edge of the area, and uh, and we got punished because we we didn't do the basics right. Simple as that, um, you know. So arguably, the first two goals uh, were 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 defendable. Uh, probably the second one. Should have been the, should should not have been a goal basically from our perspective, just really really poor probably probably the worst goal we've conceded all season to be fair in that respect. Mm. And the mark from our point of view is that is that just what Mane is capable of? Of I think it was fair to say he was having a bit of an off day beforehand, but his go, his his game seemed to transform with that goal. Yeah, as I think Steve said it's. You're disappointed to concede a goal like that, the way it's happened. But from an attacking point of view, it's it's great to see the sort of determination and persistence of him to not give up and to keep fighting for it. And then, my God, he put it away, didn't he, with some power. I think that would be travelling all, all the way down the M62 if it kept moving. He put his foot through it and there was no stopping it once he'd hit it. But yeah, it was good determination. Maybe the... The goal he scored in midweek has given him a bit of a boost because he wasn't playing well up until, up until that moment. But his confidence when he'd created the chance for himself to finish like that was... I don't know if there's anyone else in our team that, that could score a goal like that. He brings something different to the team. And if you can have a fit and firing Mane on form, it's it's a great weapon to have. And hopefully now he's... He scored the last couple of games and his confidence will continue to rise and we'll get somewhere back to the money we had last year. Yeah, yeah, that that that's the hope there. I mean, we mentioned Bobby being off the boil a bit, but Mane and Salah definitely seem to be on it, and uh, maybe we'll talk about Salah in a bit if there's time. But uh, we've got a couple of things to get through. Um, Mark, we see Firmino come off um, for Milner, obviously kind of steady the ship a bit, obviously two goals up taking off Firmino who as we said wasn't having a good game for pretty much the ever dependable James Milner 
And um, for Cardiff, we see Gunnison go off for a player I don't know in Demore, and Murphy off for Harris again. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Gunnison obviously is a, a guy we signed last season. He was playing, I think, in the second tier of French football. Mm. He's box to box, but you know, probably a poor, poor man's version of Aaron Gunnison in that respect. <laughs> so it it wasn't like for like. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that was noticeable area once uh, Gunnison went off. But you know, he's coming back to his, uh, he's coming back to fitness, so we weren't gonna, you know, we weren't gonna risk him for the full ninety. And uh, Murphy, Josh Murphy, who I thought didn't have a bad game really. I thought he gave Alexander Arnold something to think about for most of the game. The one thing I would say about Josh Murphy on, on last Saturday was. Uh, his delivery was poor, and it, it's not like him. He's been pretty good most of the season, but his delivery in and around the box wasn't very good when he did get into those advanced areas. But uh, uh, when he had the ball on his feet, he wasn't scared to take on um, take, take on Alexander Arnold. So, so yeah, uh, you know, a decent effort from him. Uh, Kadeem Harris, uh, yeah, not as dynamic as Josh Murphy. Um, so, yeah, probably, again, you know, just demonstrating how threadbare our squad was in terms of um, probably to the pitch as opposed to those going off the pitch for us. Mm, is that, is that, do you think that's a, a, a depth issue or do you think it's more to do with your injuries? I know like players like Mendes Lang have I, been out most of the season. Yeah, well. I mean, you know, Mendes Lang is quite key to the way we want to play away from home because, you know, Mendes Lang is considerably quicker than Josh Murphy. Um, so, you know, if you had that sort of, and you, if you had a target man in the, in the likes of Zahor or, or Patterson up front and those two supporting, um, I think we could we could give some teams, you know, on a counter some 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 threat, you know, uh, particularly teams at the lower half of the table. Um, but yeah, without without Mendes Lang, without Murphy, and without a fully functioning junior Hoyler, you know, we're going to be struggling in in the sort of wide areas. And Hoyler, as I said earlier, it's not really impressed me at all this season. He just seems to be slightly off the pace for one reason or another. Um, so, yeah, until, you know, we get Mendes Lang back and uh, and uh, obviously Rawls suspended and all that, and, you know, uh, and Arta and the like, um, we're always going to be struggling in terms of manpower. And, and uh, Saturday demonstrated that, I think, quite, quite markedly, to be fair. Yeah, I think it's always a problem with you know the promoter teams when when injuries hit. It's always a bit bare. But um, your goal then, a bit of a scruffy goal again. I think all three goals in the game so far have been a bit scruffy. I think uh, it comes off Van Dyke's ass. I think it comes off, and then uh, I think it falls to Patterson, yeah. and he just taps it in. Yeah, I didn't see the deflection at the time. I just thought it was a good cross in, but obviously seeing it back. <laughs> On the TV, it was a marked deflection. So, uh, so yeah, maybe uh, we got a bit of a, the rub of the green there. So um, that gave us something to celebrate when we were least expecting it. Um, although I would say that uh, we did play. I just thought our overall second half performance. I know, I knew we conceded three goals, but I mean, I think for, you know, up until sort of minute seventy or something, I thought we played much better than we did first half. I thought we kept the ball better, and I think we sort of competed better. I don't know exactly what Warnock did. I'm not really one of these uh, tactics sort of gurus or anything, but we just seemed to compete a bit more and keep hold of the ball a little, a, a, a much better than we did first half. Uh, I know uh, Jürgen mentioned in his press conference after the game that he thought there was a potential sort of concentration issue there, but uh, you know, I... It is what it is, I, you know. I, irrespective of uh, you know who you play, I think you are going to get the old lull in in sort of in sort of performance, and I think we we probably took advantage of it at that time. But uh, uh, I did actually thought, you know, I, I thought potentially at that point in the game, and I know Mark's already alluded to it as well that 
see that we we could have got a second in terms of the way we were playing. I, I you know we weren't completely out of the game at that point. Uh, but then we can talk about Liverpool's third goal. <laughs> Um, so Mark, their, their goal from your point of view, I mean, it, it, I think it, this was the game where it was going to, we were going to break the record. It'd be our tenth consecutive home clean sheet. I mean, that's pretty disappointing. But just this goal, it was just a bit sloppy from all involved, really, wasn't it? Yeah. It, again, it, we spoke at the first three goals: luck, right place, right time. Disappointing to concede after not conceding at home for so long. It's another time it bounces off Van Dyke and goes somewhere else, or it doesn't go touch Van Dyke and it's just gathered up by Allison to safety. It's it's one of those. I don't think anybody could have done anything different really from that point of view. Maybe a bit sloppy in the build-up, and I think Marnie's come out and said sorry, hasn't he? That he didn't track back and help Moreno, but. Mm. Once it's got to that point and the ball in the box, it's your luck's in. It, it's bounced in the right place at the right time for Cardiff. He's, the strike is in the right place and there's very little, nothing Allison could have done about it. It's just, it's one of them. Thankfully, it didn't cost us in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's spurred us on, if anything, to actually start playing and, and go and score two more. But yeah, disappointing to concede and in the manner it was that yeah, it's just unfortunate, isn't it? It's a deflection that's bounced, dropped Cardiff's way, and he took advantage and scored. Yeah, absolutely. Just a, it's just a bit unfortunate, I think, more more than ever. But as you said, it kind of kicked us in the gear, didn't it? And yeah, um, Cardiff bring on uh, Zahor. I think you mentioned in the preview, uh, Steve, that he's kind of been off the boil, but he is an he was an important part of your team, but he's not putting in a shift. Um, but after that, we obviously see the third and fourth goal, so Mark. Uh, third goal, I think it's Shakiri's first league goal. Yes, first goal for Liverpool. Uh, good ball from Fabina. So I took it, passed it into Shakiri. Not the greatest of passes, really, but again, just the confidence of Shakiri. He's controlled it, took it round the defender and, and buried it in the, in the net. And the, the whole team seemed really happy and pleased that he'd scored. And hopefully the first of many to come from him. Yeah, and, and as we said earlier on, he's he's working his way into being almost undroppable at a stage, and it, it was very nice to see that he's got a goal so early on in his Liverpool career. Obviously, he's been uh, creating rather than scoring so far, but no, it was a very nice goal. I mean, I, I, I don't know which defender it was, but he seemed, he sat he sat somebody down. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was Sean Morrison. Was it? He was involved yeah. in a lot today <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Shakiri is a player I, I picked out in the preview show mm. and said, I think out of the summer signings, he's the guy that intrigued me most from a Klopp perspective. And I, and I like him as a player. And, uh, I mean, that was the type of goal where I thought we, we, we would have seen more of on Saturday from, for ch- opportunities. Uh, it was a goal we just, we just couldn't defend really in terms of the pace of the movement and, and obviously, what I like about Shakiri is plays, and and that's something slightly different, I think, from a Liverpool perspective as well. So, I can see why Liverpool fans like him. I think he'll he's a you know, for thirteen million, he's a steal, really, is he? Let's be fair about it. I think yeah, anyway. absolutely, absolutely. I think people maybe had a bit of a raised eyebrow when we signed him, but even in these early stages. Thirteen million could probably we could probably sell them for double that next <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> um, but Mark uh, fourth goal then, and we haven't really mentioned Salah for real, but I thought he was brilliant, and I thought this goal just summarised it beautifully because that is one hell of a pass for Mane. Yeah, it was a it was a lovely goal, wasn't it? From an attacking point of view, I think Mo was back to somewhere near the mode that we had last year. He was involved. In a lot of the game, he got his goal again, created a couple, great for my fantasy football team. Then I had him as captain, and yeah, a delightful pass, the right amount of pace on the pass, the right place, split the defence in two, and Mane just ran onto it, and a lovely dinked finish. It's a lovely goal to, to wrap up the game and get the three points, and put a bit of this nonsensical talk that we had, that Salah doesn't pass to Mane, and 
they don't like each other and there's this competition going oh, and God, I remember that. They, they seem very happy together and happy to create for each other and yeah hopefully a lot more like that and both ways that Marnie can create for Salah like that and Salah can create for Marnie like he did yeah and Steve from Cardiff do you think he just Maybe head was gone a bit there. Obviously, one goal quickly followed. Do you think maybe the legs had just gone a bit there? Uh, I think partly it was Cardiff had to do something. They had to try and you know get a goal back quickly. I, I from my recollection, I thought we looked a bit short-handed at the back. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was great play by Liverpool. Um, but I thought Etheridge was a bit slow off his line again. Really, mm. I thought he could have, thought he could have closed the angle down just a bit quicker. Uh, I was just as scathing about him because we conceded a, a similar goal in terms of Brian Sessegnon on the week before in terms of you know getting him one on one with the keeper. Uh, but yeah, I mean you know when Sonny, uh, sorry when uh, Sadio Mane got onto it, it was uh, it was a it was a, it was a lovely finish by him. So yeah, you know t- the last two goals, were, you know, quality finishes by Liverpool, really quality goals. First two probably avoidable, uh, you know, as as we've alluded to and said earlier in the podcast. Um, but yeah, if I was being hypercritical, Neil Lethbridge possibly could have done more about the fourth. Yeah, yeah, but I think in games like these, you always got to look at the goalkeeper. I mean, he obviously saved a couple of penalties towards the start of the season. I think. Uh, we keep uh, mentioning the FPL a bit, but he was an FPL hero for a couple of weeks. <laughs> he was uh, indeed, yeah. 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 We've got to go downhill after that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. But, um, no, I mean, uh, overall, he's, he's, you know, he's a solid keeper, but I'd like to probably like to see where, um, we've, we've brought in Alex Smithies over the summer from QPR, who saving penalties himself. Mm. I'd like to see, um, him probably give a run out and, just to see where you know, where, where, you know, see, see his abilities in and around the area as well, because uh, I don't think Etheridge's distribution is very good either, uh, and I just think that leads to us falling under pressure because obviously the ball is just bouncing back towards our defenders uh, as a result of some of his distribution. So I think there are a couple of facets of its game which need improvement. Um, and perhaps there's, there's probably, if there is one player I would probably want to look at, at swapping, it would probably be Smithies for Etheridge, uh, you know, for, for a run of games and see how he, see, see how he performs really. But, no, yeah. that's quite interesting. I mean, we, Liverpool had their fair share of a goalkeeper crisis. I wouldn't say it's a crisis just yet, but we've had a, yeah. that problem, that's been a, uh, problem position for a while but um, we'll, we'll come to final thoughts then because we are a bit over the hour now uh, Steve I'll start with you uh, final thoughts are thank god we don't have to play Liverpool um, 36 times in a season um, or 38 <laughs> for that matter um, yeah I, it's probably just a, a reoccurring frame for, for, for me here is that you know we didn't expect anything out of the game we never got anything out of the game uh, you know we got more important games to consider starting with next Saturday at home to Leicester City, assuming that goes ahead, of course, because there's, there's a possibility it may not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for obvious reasons. Yeah. So yeah, so that followed by, um, then we, we, and, uh, on the horizon, oh, we got an important game against Brighton thereafter at home and then away at Everton. And, you know, I think there are three games here where you've got to be looking to get something out of all three. Not necessarily, you know, maybe a win in two draws or something like that would be something I'd be looking for at those those three games coming up. Yeah, all fair points. And uh, Mark, your final thoughts on the game? Yeah, as we said at the start, a bit of a strange game, really, wasn't it? It's, you've won 4-1, you've had 80% possession. 19 shots, seven on target, and you're a bit dissatisfied, really, which is quite a strange feeling, but glad to get the win. It's three points, and City won a lap at half-time tonight, so at worst, after 10 games, we'll be level on points for Man City. I think any of us would have took that, wouldn't they, at the start of the season? So, 
let's keep going, keep winning, and keep putting the pressure on Man City. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we will finish up with, uh, I just wanted to express my and uh, Anfield Index's uh, condolences to, to the City of Leicester and everyone involved uh, with the death of the chairman and the, the four other members of the uh, on the on the helicopter. Uh, just wanted to express that. So condolences from everyone at Anfield Index. And uh, yeah, you'll never walk alone. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Social Podcast Network.